told you, I told you to keep your Bibles open to Job, the second chapter. I have a word I really want to share with you today. I have a word that I really want to share with you here today. Amen. Uh, Pastor, just want to talk to you all now. Pastor, want to just talk to you all for a few moments. Amen. Here today, because I believe that this word is going to bless somebody's heart. It's going to lift somebody's spirit. Job, the second chapter, verse number nine. There it is. I'm not going to read the entire thing because we've read it already today. But chapter two of the book of Job, verse number nine, simply says, Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. I just want to talk to you from from that second chapter of the book of Job today. I would encourage your hearts. Many of you know the story of Job and those that don't know the story, I would encourage you to go back and read the entire first chapter along with the second chapter of the book of Job. Let me start off by saying that many people think that believing in God protects them from trouble. So when calamity comes, they question God's goodness and justice. But the message of Job is that you should not give up on God because he allows you to have bad experiences. You have to understand that faith in God does not guarantee personal prosperity and a lack of faith does not guarantee troubles in this life. If this was so, people would believe in God simply to get rich. God can rescue us from suffering, but he may also allow suffering to come for reasons we cannot understand. It is Satan's strategy to get us to doubt God at exactly this moment. Here, Job shows a perspective broader than seeking his own personal comfort. If we always knew why we were suffering, our faith would have no room to grow. And so at this point in the story of Job's life, we really have to begin to wonder how much more a person can take, how much more Job would have to suffer. This godly, righteous man, he had already lost all his wealth, all his income, all means of earning a living. He lost all 10 of his children, all his health. He had contracted a dreadful disease. He lost all the support of his relatives, local friends, and community. Look at Job's response, though. Look at Job's response. After losing all of that, He begins to grieve passionately. And then the Bible lets us know that Job falls to the ground and he worships God. 
I don't want you to miss that point. Now, he done lost all his wealth. His income is gone. You have no way of making any kind of money. He lost all of his children. He now his health is bad. He has contracted a dreadful disease. He has no support of relatives, family, or friends. But yet, he falls on the ground and he begins to worship God. Well, as if that was not enough still. There was one more blow that Job would suffer. And of course, it was a final and a very painful blow. And what was that blow? It was simply criticism and rejection from his wife. Think about it for a moment, if you will. Think about it. Job's wife was the only thing that he had left on earth. She was probably the last person whom Job could depend, the very person from whom he would hope to gain comfort and support. But note what happens. These verses reveal some startling facts about both Job and his wife. Because when we look at this text and we analyze the text, Job's wife criticized his faith and wanted him to die. She essentially asked Job, uh, are you willing to suffer like this for the rest of your life? Why not just give up on God and die? No doubt she was utterly exhausted from taking care of him, her husband and not wanting to see him suffer anymore. It is unlikely that she really wanted Job to die, but she certainly wanted to see his suffering end. I mean, y'all know, and if it be truthful, sometimes it would seem as though that death would be better than the agony that sometimes we have to face. Had Job's wife expressed only this sentiment, it would have been more than understandable. But instead, she went further and she criticized. She even rejected Job's faith. I need y'all to walk with me here. How, how, how could he continue to trust the Lord under such cruel and unjust treatment? Perhaps she blamed the Lord because Job had been unwilling to do so. But I have good news because God knew better. Fact of the matter is, God personally built Job and meant to use him. And so God sovereignly allowed some things to happen in order that 4,800 years later, God would still be glorified. When you look at the text that I read here today, it deals with Job's wife. Job's look over at Job and she simply says, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Ah, why don't you just curse God and die? You know, when you look at Job's wife, the Bible does not give us her name. All we know about is that she's Job's wife. So we're just going to call her Miss Job. But the Bible don't give us her name. The fact of the matter is, when you read this text, Job's wife has really been given a bad rap in many Sunday school lessons and many sermons that have been preached all over this world. 
because Job's wife has been called everything from the adjutant of the devil to the faithful attendant upon her husband's misery. But here today, I kind of want us to just put on a different, uh, put on some different lenses today, if you will. Because before being too harsh on Job's wife, let's consider several things. Uh, perhaps she had been extremely supported up until this point. But at this moment, she weakened and gave in to her despair. Like far too many of us, when Job's wife faced dire circumstances, she desired relief more than the strength to endure. I know we say that they that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew your strength and your mind up with wings as eagles and will run and not be weary and will walk and not faint. And we've heard that time and time again. And we really believe it. It's in our spirits. It's down in our heart. But if we would be transparent, a lot of times we would prefer relief more than the desire to endure. Well, let me, let, let, me, let me say this. I'm not talking about those of you that's already been glorified. I'm preaching to those who have gone through some, who've gone through some stuff. I want to talk to those of you that are going through some things right now, and you cannot understand what God is doing, and you can't hardly hear from God. You want relief more than you want the strength to endure. I want to talk to you today. Because when we look at Job's wife, I said, let's not be harsh on her because let's consider the few things that this woman had to go through. First, remember how much she had endured along with Job. Consider that for most people, it is easier to do the suffering than to watch their loved ones suffer, especially a beloved spouse or child. I've had the experience of talking to some of you that's on here, and you've received some bad news, and I've heard you say, I wish it was me, instead of the other person. And so we have to, first of all, remember that she had to endure, along with her husband, Job. And then secondly, Job's wife had lost all her wealth, right along with Job. She had lost all her financial security in the world or her financial protection and safety is now gone and like job she had no means of support oh i want to deal with this today so we won't be so harsh on mrs job thirdly look what happened with the loss of her wealth and possessions also went her social standing this was probably the least of her worries, but it most certainly had an effect on her. As the wife of a nobleman like Job, she had held a very high position in society. She would have been highly respected right along with Job. And so when she lost her wealth and social standing, she likely lost a large part of her identity and self esteem. Put yourself in Job's wife's shoes. 
Because after all of that, now come the most devastating event. Because the Bible says she lost all her children. Hey, I want y'all to let this set in. Seven precious sons, three beloved daughters. She had to stand at 10 open graves. Oh, I know some of us, we've lost a second cousin and we ain't got over that yet. You need to understand she had to stand at 10 open graves. She had to bury her sons and her daughters. Imagine, if you will, for a minute, the unbearable loss. And this would be more than many of us could even tolerate. Oh, we might as well be honest with ourselves. Amen. Some of us would not be able to tolerate this. It would drive some into a state of complete despair, perhaps insanity. And it would push others to commit suicide. And so before we're too hard on Job's wife, please let's walk in her shoes just for a few moments here today. Ah, as if that was not devastating enough. She was now watching the only person she had left in the world suffer a debilitating and a humiliating, uh, my God, sickness. Her noble husband has been debased. He has now been brought low. So low that now he sit in the city's garbage dump. How do you go from being high in society, a man of wealth and a man of position, and now you are sitting low in the city's garbage dump. Well, well, please, please, please do not, my brothers and my sisters, allow one statement to characterize Job's wife's entire life. I know it says, does thou still retain thine integrity? I know she said, curse God and die. But let's have mercy on Miss Job. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And let's not allow one statement to characterize her entire life. Because when you look at Mrs. Job, well, can I talk to y'all? Let me just talk today. She comes on the scene and she makes one statement. You don't hear no nothing about Miss Job before this statement. You hear absolutely nothing about her. So she comes on the scene after going through everything I just mentioned that she had to go through. And she comes on the scene and she makes one statement. And you know what? We do not hear nothing else about her except Job saying in Job chapter 19, verse 17, Job said, my breath is strange to my wife. In other words, I've been sick so long. <laughs> Y'all ain't gonna help me. I've been sitting here and in the garbage dump and my breath is strange to my wife. Though I entreated for the children's sake of my own body. And so here we have, here we have this woman. She's made one statement and we have characterized her for the rest of her life. 
When you look down at verse number 10, let me preach the text a little while. When you look down at verse number 10, Job responded to his wife by correcting her. Now, I don't want you to miss this. I don't want y'all to miss this. I'm going somewhere. Get ready. Get ready. Job responded to his wife by correcting her. And even so, watch this. His rebuke was quite gentle. Because if you read verse number 10, he did not say, you are a foolish woman. He didn't tell her that. He didn't say, he did not call her a fool. He did not say that you are a foolish woman. He simply said that she was talking like one of those foolish women. And my God, as I read that, I said, you know what? Even in the midst of everything that Job had gone through, Job still noticed something. Because when Job says, you sound like one of those foolish women. In other words, Job was simply saying this. Honey, you don't sound like yourself. My God, my God. In other words, this don't sound like the same person. That when we lost some of our goods, you was telling me to hold on. Come on, let me, let me, let me pray. You know, when we was going through the storms of life, you was my great encourager. But now you don't sound like my wife. Have you ever been with somebody that was going through or somebody that was sick? And, 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 and you notice that while they was talking, you had to even declare, you know, that person just wasn't there. Something's wrong. Come on. You even called them and had to ask, are, are you okay? You know, you just didn't sound like yourself. Well, in this gentle rebuke, that's what Job was saying. Job didn't say you're a foolish woman. Job said, honey, you don't sound like yourself, but you are speaking as one of those foolish women. Now, we don't know which group of women Job had in mind, but his point is very clear that his wife had spoken foolishly, even if she did not believe wholeheartedly in what she said. And I'm just wondering, do I have any transparent folk on here today that you've gone through some things in life? You've been through the storm and you've been through the rain. And in the midst of your storm, in the midst of what you was going through, you've made statements that now you wish you had not have made. You had some doubt then now you wish you had not doubted. Don't allow the statement that you made to characterize your entire life. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. Yeah, well, 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 what, 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 what Job did next, watch this, is another example of profound wisdom. Because when you look at the latter part of verse number 10, I'm gonna preach the Bible, Uh, Moreover, it is eloquently stated. Notice what he says to her. He says, shall we accept good from the Lord and not evil? In other words, and not no trouble. In other words, if people are going to accept the good things in life and enjoy them, then they must also accept the hardships of life. And this truth may be hard for us to digest. Then again, it simply acknowledges uh, the reality of life, because life in a fallen, corrupt world, in this corrupt and lawless environment, hardships come to everybody. 
life brings to us the good and the bad. And you need to understand, and I appreciate Brother Job. I really do. I appreciate Brother Job in verse number 10 and how he dealt with his wife and how he also agreed that you got to, you know, accept the evil as well as the bad. Amen. But can I let y'all in on a little secret? Job didn't always feel that way. <laughs> Job didn't always have that testimony. Job sounded real good in verse number 10. Hey, but my God, if you go to, to another chapter, if you go to the sixth chapter of Job, and you just look at verse number eight, it don't sound like the same Job, does it? Notice what Job says. Oh, that I might have my request and that God would grant me the things that I long for. And then in verse number nine, listen at Job. Even that it would please God to destroy me. In other words, Job had gone through so much, he was done. Somebody ought to shout, he was done. Yeah. Job said that it was, he wished it was please God to destroy him and that he would let loose his hand and cut me completely off. That don't sound like the same Job, do it? Well, I got a question I need to ask y'all. Why y'all ain't holding that statement against Job? Oh, y'all ain't gonna talk to me. <clears throat> How come you not holding that one against Brother Job? And Job had all kinds of statements that he made in the midst of what he was going through. Job cursed the day that he was born. Job cursed the day he came out of his mother's womb. He said, God, why am I even here? Amen. It was a bunch of times that Job felt that what he was going through was uh, unbearable. Yeah, but guess what, my brothers and my sisters? Here is where some of you come into the story. Because some of you can really begin to relate to this story. I only want to talk to those right now that can really relate to this story. I want to talk to some people that understand being so overwhelmed and broken by your circumstances that in despair, despite claiming Christ and knowing that you belong to him, your faith had been drained and you declared something that you know you should not have uttered. Oh, I want to talk to some of y'all. Well, let me come down your street for a minute. Maybe you might say my husband had an affair. Maybe you might say my child was molested. My child has been killed. My tax man messed up and we owe 20 grand to the government. Maybe somebody might say my wife is unpleasant and I'm stuck with her until one of us dies. Somebody else might say my child, whom I'm raised in the admonition of the Lord, has forsaken God and turned his or her back on our family. Maybe somebody else said the husband that I desperately love and in my God and need in my life is now dying of a horrible disease. Maybe somebody said, I've lost my job and I'm getting ready to lose everything. Somebody else may say, my church is a cesspool. Somebody else say, I have no friends. My very best friend who, who claims Christ has turned against me and will not sit down and work things out. I don't know who I'm talking to, but these are the sorts of things they can either pile up on top of us or single-handedly hit us. 
and reduce us to Job's wife, making us feel ready to throw in the towel, to give up. Oh, but you ought to shout, I can't give up now. Oh, somebody shout, I can't give up now. I've come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy. Hey, but somebody shout, I don't believe that God has brought me this far to leave me now. I just want to talk to y'all. I just want to talk because here I need you to know something, that mature Christians understand that trials and persecutions, they will come. It says so in Philippians 1 and 29. And you have to understand that God grants us two things. He grants us the faith to believe in Christ. And secondly, he grants us the gift of suffering for his sake. Yes, we are promised suffering. And many Christians have never heard of such an outlandish thing. The fact of the matter is many people have been told that every day with Jesus gets sweeter as the day go by. Y'all know you've heard that. Every day with Jesus gets sweeter than the day before. You've heard try Jesus and your life will become better. Yes, my God, your life will be better, but it don't mean you're not going to go through some stuff. Hey, God can choose to materially bless his people as he always does. Hey, or God can choose hey, to cause his people to suffer. But God's chief concern is for his name to be glorified and that we as his children are shaped and molded into his image. And I'm just wondering, is there anybody listening to me that can say that in the midst of what you're going through, you can give God all of the honor. You can give God all of the praise. You can say, God, I thank you. I may not understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. I don't understand why this had to happen this way. But in everything, give thanks. Why? Because this is the will of God concerning you through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so we as believers, we understand that we're not in this thing all by ourselves. And while God is trying to shape us into the image of his son, Jesus, many times that hurts. Somebody ought to say, that hurt, Pastor. Come on, say, that hurts. It hurts. Why? He's trying to shape us into the image of his son. But the good news is that he is trustworthy and that all things, I mean all things, will work together for the good of them that love the Lord. I dare you to hold on. I dare you to press on. I dare you to not throw in the towel. I come to tell you it's working together for your good. It may not feel good. It may not sound good. Hey, but it's working together. Somebody put that in the atmosphere. Say, it's working together for my good. Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Put it in the atmosphere. It's working together for my good. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Well, when you look at, when you look at the end of Job's story, I need you to see it here. When you look at the end of Job's story, you know what happened. God blessed the latter days of Job even more than his beginning and gave him an overwhelming blessed future. I want y'all to understand that. Go to Job 42. Job 42. 
verse number 10. I want you to see it for yourself. Job 42, verse number 10. I'm going to encourage somebody here. You can't give up yet. Don't, don't throw in the towel. Don't let that statement characterize your entire life. Because Job 42 and 10 says, And the Lord he turned the captivity of Job. And I stop by here to let somebody know God's getting ready to turn it around. It may feel like you're in the city dump right now, but God's getting ready. Turn that thing around. God turned the captivity of Job. And the Bible said when he prayed for his friends, notice when God did it. God did it when he forgot about himself. Uh-oh. Glory. I'm going to say that again. God did it when Job forgot about himself. Some of y'all are too concerned about yourself. You're too concerned about me and my four and no more. God turned the captivity of Job yeah, after he prayed for his friends. And notice something else. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Somebody ought to say, God's getting ready to give me double for all of my trouble. I dare you to believe it. God's getting ready to give me double for all of my troubles. Notice in verse 12 of that 42nd chapter. I'm going to preach the word here today. Verse number 12 and 13. Notice what it says. It says, verse 12, so the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. That should have made somebody jump up and turn around for everything you've been going through. Mm. All the trials you done experienced. God bless his latter end with more than his beginning. Notice what God blessed him with. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 she-asses. But verse number 13 is what excites me. He had also seven sons and three daughters. Seven plus three equals 10. God gave them 10 children. They lost 10 children. And then God turned back around and gave them 10 more children. Don't y'all tell me God ain't a God of a second chance. And even though it don't mention Job's wife, it didn't say Job remarried. Y'all ain't got to talk back here to me. Hallelujah. And how many of y'all know that when Job was blessed, his wife was blessed? Because I just believe that God is a God of a second chance. And somebody you need to understand, you may have messed up. You may have, my God, missed the mark. But I stop by here to tell you, don't let your past, amen, be your present. And don't let your past mess up your future. Because God is faithful to forgive all unrighteousness. God bless Job and his wife with 10 more children. And then when you look at verse 16 and 17, look what it says. After this, my God, after Job had gone through some stuff, after God gave him double for his trouble, it says, Job, my God, he lived 140 years and saw his sons 
and his son's sons, even four generations. Y'all can sit up there and convince yourself you're going to die if you want to. Go ahead and kind of, I, I ain't talking to you folks. Cover your head if that's the way you feel. I want to talk to some people that said my trust is in God. I'm going to trust God's word. I trust in God wherever I may be, on the mountaintop or out on the raging sea. Though billows roll, he keeps my soul. My heavenly father watches over me. Job went from the city garbage dump to seeing his son's sons up to four generations. And then the Bible said he died being old and full of days. In other words, God replaced. <laughs> God's getting ready to go. Oh, thank you, Jesus. God's getting, getting ready to replace some stuff. God's getting ready to renew your strength. God's getting ready to cause you to mount up. I dare you to hold on. Somebody shout, I've got to hold on. And you need to understand, and I'm closing here, that some trials may only last a short time. And then some very well may last a lifetime. But guess what? That don't change the nature of God. Nor does it diminish his faithfulness nor does it distract from his goodness. How many of y'all know he's a great surgeon? And sometimes the cure is painful, but he knows what he's doing. Somebody need to know God knows exactly what he's doing. And guess what? It is for our good. And if you truly trust him, and if you truly belong to him, it will not matter if you think you do not want the cure. He is faithful. He's going to work it out in your life for good and his glory. I'm just wondering, is there anybody that can take a few seconds and give God some glory, give God some honor, give God some praise that, yes, I've been through the storm and the rain, but somebody say, thank God I made it. When the devil said I was going to lose my mind, Hey, I'm clothed and I'm in my right mind. Sometimes I don't feel like putting one foot in front of the other, but God is my refuge and he is my strength. He is my very present help in the time of trouble. Sometimes when I feel all alone, he promised I'll never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you, but I'm going to be with you until the ends of the world. Yeah, then your wife said, does thou still retain thine integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? She made a statement out of despair. She made a statement out of hurt. She made a statement out of confusion. We've all been there. Come on, anybody been there? Anybody been there? It may not have been to the degree of cursing God and dying, but the devil tried to convince you. There's no need of you holding on the devil tried to convince you. Why don't you go back to Egypt and get some help? The devil tried to convince you. Ain't no need of you praying about this situation anymore. Because the more you pray, the worse things seems to get. Listen to me, my brothers and my sisters. If you're drowning in the overwhelming harshness of this life right now, be encouraged. Be encouraged. I want you to know this. God is good. Your situation don't change, God. 
God is still a good God. God is still a merciful God. God is still a faithful God. God is still a just God. God is still worthy of all of the honor and all of the praise. God is good. Somebody ought to shout, yes, he is. And you know what? He loves you. Somebody, you need to know God loves you. He does. He does. I promise he'll never forsake you. I can make that promise for him because he already made it. And his word is yea and amen. He promises that he will not forsake you. Hey, anchor yourself in him. Anchor yourself. Anchor yourself in the midst of the storm. You know, sometimes, I'm trying to close. Sometimes you just got to anchor yourself. You ever been on the boat and try to fish? And you go out there, and then you stop in the middle of wherever you are. The boat be rocking. You know what you have to do? You have to throw out the anchor. The purpose of the anchor is to anchor the boat, to make sure the boat don't move. Sometimes you got to be still and know that I am God. Know that I'm going to be exalted among the heathen. I'm going to be exalted in all of the earth. Anchor yourself for the Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our refuge. Somebody, you just need to be still. Hey, God. God says, be still, be still. Hey, your, your mind is going. You're starting one project. You're not finishing it. You're starting something else. You start this book. You read the first chapter. Now you're working on another book. You're trying to involve yourself in the midst of your confusion. God says today, the Holy Ghost says, throw off your anchor and just be still. Your boat might rock, but it ain't going to move. Ah, I shall not be moved. I'm like a tree that's been planted by the rivers of waters. Anchor yourself in God. Yeah, I hear the song, but I don't know all the words. That my soul has been anchored in the Lord. Hey, my soul has been anchored. It's anchored in the Lord. Do not be afraid. Fear not, for I am with thee. I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. When you walk through the valley, I'm going to be with you. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay that your prayer today might consist of saying, God, please give me faith to believe in you. That don't mean you're not saved. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you just need to admit it. Take the mask off. Halloween ain't until October the 31st. Take your mask off. Come on here. Stop trying to portray to be stronger than what you really are. It's okay. I'm telling y'all. It's okay. It don't take nothing away from you to say, God, please give me faith to believe in you. Because right now, God, right now, I don't feel like I do. It's okay to acknowledge that before God. You're not alone. Call out to God because he does hear you. He cares about you. And there is a plan in place. And the problem is the devil don't want you to make it to the plan. <laughs> but there's a plan in place, one that is good. I know the plans I have for you, to prosper you, for you to be in good health. That's the plan God has for all of us. 
but you have to be honest with God. You have to be honest with yourself. That when overwhelming circumstances come upon us, mm, God, sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes we don't understand. So Job's attitude, and I'm done. Job's attitude seems to go against human nature. You guys know it does. That's what I like about Job. He really showed the human side of him. One minute he blessing God, that I'm going to hold on to my integrity. Next minute he's like, Lord, come get me. Take me out of here. One minute he says, all the days of my appointed time, I'm going to wait till my change come. Then on the other hand, he's telling God, take your hands off me. Just let me go. That, that, that's what I like about him. I really do. Because the Bible shows the human side of the great men of God. And far too often when people face trouble, their first response is to ask, why me? Why me? Well, how could this happen to me now when I'm so young? Or why now when there's still so much to do? Many people become bitter and they blame God. They wonder how could God let this happen to me? Or what did I do to deserve this? I don't know who I'm talking to. What did I do to deserve this? God, there's a lot more worse people than me. How come it had to be me? And these questions, you guys need to understand, they stem from not really understanding how God uses suffering in our lives. God uses suffering. That's why you got to hope in him. Pick yourself up. Put a smile on your face. Lift your head up. Because God uses suffering. He uses it to refine and purify us. He uses it to arouse us to repent of our sins and to turn to God. He uses suffering to stir us to continually cry out to God for help, which forces us to trust God and to fellowship with him more and more. He uses suffering oh, to arouse us to obey God more than ever before and to live far more righteous lives. He uses suffering to strengthen us through the endurance of suffering. And then guess what? He uses suffering to make us stronger witnesses for God. Because after all I've been through, I still have my joy. Is that anybody's testimony here today? After all I've been through, I still have my joy. Every time we suffer, every time we suffer, we also undergo a test of faith. Is God really in control? Is there any reason for this? Does any of this really make any sense? If we let emotions take over, as Job's wife did, then we will indeed curse God. And we will be just like her. She became bitter. She became angry. At that point, she was wrong. But please, let's not allow one statement to characterize her entire life. We've all been there. We've all done that. But Thank God he's a God of a second chance. And as God blessed Job, 
he also turned around and blessed his wife. Come on, give God praise. Somebody clap your hands. Thank God he didn't cut us off. Thank God he didn't punish us. <laughs> Come on, thank God he didn't punish us. Come on, when we said, oh, I pray that that person would just drop dead and it wouldn't even bother me. Y'all ain't going nowhere with me. Y'all y'all, y'all ain't ready to go nowhere with me. Y'all trying to act like you ain't never thought some of these thoughts. And some of y'all was getting ready to run over some folks. Some of y'all was going to shoot some people. Don't go there with me. Don't make me come down your street right now. Amen. You had those thoughts. Some of y'all are going to put some poison in their coffee and in their drink because you just figured that you just couldn't take it no more. Come on. Anybody ever been where you just couldn't take it no more? And all kind of thoughts ran through your mind. You was going to burn some folk up in the house. Yeah, you're going to burn them up. Thank you, Jesus. But God didn't let you light the match because he's a God of a second chance. And what I come here to do, I came here today to strengthen your faith and let you know that all of us have come to that time in our lives. But thank God for Jesus and the Holy Ghost that He's that we did not let go. And we held on to God. And guess what? My mind is made up now. I'm going to lift my head up. And I'm going all the way with the Lord. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. Why me, God? Why me? How come this had to happen to me? Why am I going through this right now? Why me, God, of all people? You know, I love you. I serve you. I'm faithful. I don't miss nothing. I don't miss Bible discovery on Sunday. I don't miss Bible study on Tuesday. They don't add it now, Zoom for seniors, and I even sign on to that now. I give my tithe. I give my offering. I'm faithful to you, God. I love you. Why am I going through this? What did I do to deserve it? I want you to know God is at work. And if you hold on to God, you'll see. God, I give you double for all of your trouble. Now, God, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your tender mercies. God, I share with your people what you place on my heart to share today. God, you know each and every one of us. You made us. You know all, of, all about us. You know our uprising. You know our downsettings. God, you know when we go out. You know when we come back in. God, you know our frailties, frailties. You know our weaknesses. God, you know our heart. My God, I, I, I share it because somebody's going through it. They may feel like Job's wife today. They know you're a good God. They know you're a merciful God. They know that you are a faithful God, but they just may feel like life have just brought them so, some overwhelming problems and situations. Somebody feel as if I don't have the strength to go on. But God, I thank you because your word tells us you are our refuge and our strength. God, help us to hold on. And God, we thank you because even when we can't go no further, God, I thank you because I know you'll pick us up and you'll carry us. You promised us you would put on us no more than we can bear. So, God, if we are bearing it right now, God, we know that you are a helper and you're going to be our strength. God, I thank you. Help us to hold on. 
Help us to remain strong. Help us to encourage ourselves in you. Help us to depend upon your word. Help us to anchor ourselves in you. Remove all doubt. Remove all fear in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we know that you can. God, and we know that you will. Let us say, as Job said, all the days of my appointed time, we'll just sit right here and we'll wait until our change comes. But in the midst of waiting, God, we're going to glorify you. Oh, we're going to keep on praising you. <laughs> we're going to keep on lifting you up, God. Nothing's going to hinder our praise, God, because you deserve all the honor, all the glory, and all of the praise. I rebuke the hand of the enemy in the mighty name of Jesus. I rebuke the devil right now. I cast him out of the mind, out of your spirit, out of the wheel. In the mighty name of Jesus. Yeah, God, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit, God. In the name of Jesus. We thank you and we praise you. And we magnify your great name. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody ought to say, thank God. Come on, say, thank God. Hey, somebody say, amen. Amen and amen. Come on, give God a hand, praise.